Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Hello, Ananga. It's wonderful to be with you again for another Slayer session. Today, we're going to talk about a wonderful book that we both read titled Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Such a great title. Really good. So we both read this book and came away with a lot of talking points. And I think that um, one of the most interesting parts for me was realizing that I'm an introvert. (laughs) Me too. too. I really didn't know. I always thought because I'm outgoing and because I can get in front of a group, I can teach, I can do those things and enjoy doing those things that, um, that that made me more extroverted. But what I really realize is that for as much time as I need to prepare for and recover from those kinds of events, (laughs) that uh, I really felt at home reading this book, like, oh, this makes a whole lot of sense. And, and what really came about for me is that extroversion is really what our educational system expects of us. So right from the beginning of our you know, first day of school, we're often um, trained or put into this pool of extroverted expectations. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I've had my own experiences of that. And again, not realizing what my preference was in terms of how I live, how I'm comfortable living. And uh, Mm. yeah, I can remember at school absolutely dreading sports days where you were expected to just leap around and go for it. And it just wasn't part of my nature to do that. And the interesting thing is when when you're in that space, when you are a a youngling in in that environment, and the majority of the group is running around without issue. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you have, you know, a handful of wallflowers that are really not into it. Those kids are often in a really uncomfortable position. Horrible, because, yeah. Because they have to show up. You know, it's interesting that we start right there because my daughter and I had a conversation about this just the other day. She's She's not really um, a gym class kind of a girl. She would much rather ride a horse or, you know, take a walk on the beach or, you know, something that's more individual, quiet, just different than being plopped in the middle of team sports. Yeah, I had a rowboat when I was a kid and my happiest moments were just rowing up and down on little rivers. If we went on camping trips, I would just go off on my own in that boat for hours and, uh, for a while there, I even looked like I had an athletic body because I spent so long rowing, I actually had abs. (laughs) But I was just on my own in that boat, just going up and down with my thoughts, looking at the trees, listening to the water. No desire to do anything big and energetic and public, no desire whatsoever. Yeah. So I think this book is just, it's what I really liked about it is the, the awareness that it brings about the diversity of our behaviors, introverted and extroverted. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, there's a quote that we both liked a lot that really summed things up is that extroversion is an enormously appealing personality style, but we've turned it into an impressive standard to which most of us feel that we must conform. Yeah. And it's amazing how much it affects us, how much stress that causes 
you've spoken many times about the stress that expectations cause when, when external expectations come our way and we're expected to behave and conform in a certain way. And there you've got it right there, this oppressive standard that we feel we have to live up to, whether it's natural to us, whether it's part of our personality type, part of our social profiling, how we choose to relate to others or not. It's expected that we should be you know, bright and lively and good in crowds and not everyone is. Or sometimes, as the book points out, sometimes we can speak in public and sometimes we are comfortable in crowds, but there comes a point where you really would rather be home in your pajamas. You've had enough. Uh-huh. And that's definitely me. <laughs> that's definitely me as well. And, and I find, as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, that I can make myself available to those kinds of social functions or, or events, but I need to have a lot of time to decompress afterwards. And I need, you know, a one thing at a time kind of an attitude. So for instance, if I have a speaking engagement, um, there will be nothing else that I require of myself on that day Mm -hmm. other than to practice, prepare, get ready and go. And then there will be nothing that I expect of myself afterwards either. And sometimes for a full day, And I remember back in the days of my corporate life, Fridays were a day where we would bring the sales force together and we'd have a sales meeting and training and often there would be anywhere from 12 to 15 people in the room. And it was perfectly fine and very comfortable for me to show up and do what I did as as a sales force leader. But afterward, I would be so drained and you know, so low, mm-hmm. um, not 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 where I felt bad, but just where I felt like there was not one other thing I could possibly do, and that's when I realized, oh wow, you know, I've just basically put all of my energy into everything I can possibly do to show up and share, and now I have to allow myself the time to go back and replenish that giving and that that sharing, which I think is a big part of what being an introvert looks like. I think so too. Yeah, just allowing that processing time, digesting after experiences, quiet time, reflection time doesn't mean you can't speak, you can't present. We're both sharing a podcast with thousands and thousands of listeners. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but it means that our our life is set up in a way to support that healthily for us where we can't just, as you said, go at it constantly. And it's interesting because really even for people who may be considered more extroverted, Isn't that the recipe for burnout, where you do one thing and another thing and another thing? So either way, it's healthy to have the space to think and reflect and digest and time for some self-care before we throw ourselves into another commitment. And what I liked about this book, too, is it wasn't saying extroverts are bad. No. (laughs) You know, it wasn't one of those things, but it was... It was just a very lovely piece and just showing us the differences and helping you have a better understanding of, you know, just because a person is fairly quiet in a group setting and isn't, um, you know, taking the reins of the conversation doesn't mean that they don't have something very valuable to share. Right. And that sometimes it just takes a little bit longer for it to come about. There might be some more thoughtfulness involved. Um, before something is shared, and that often the nature of extroversion or or extroverts is to you know go 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 go, 
And again, not in a bad way, but in a way that often will push that introverted person's ideas to the side. And because the person is an introvert, they won't really mind. Yeah. They'll just be like, well, okay, well, you know, be on your merry way then. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, some, some really interesting points were made in that regard. And I liked how the book opened with the story of the lawyer who was in a very extroverted career but was an introvert, yet she won cases and satisfied clients' needs by acting true to her nature and that there really was a, a need and an appreciation for her way of doing things, even though it didn't you know, fit with that shoebox big and bold style of practicing law and that was then revealed that that's the author of the book so it's really some great learnings in there and also she made the point as you just touched on that nobody's a hundred percent introverted or a hundred percent extroverted we may be strongly biased or inclined to one or the other but she said that if you're a hundred percent one way or the other then you know that's really mentally uncomfortable and will drive you crazy as much as we may appreciate solitude and time for space and thought there's, you know, a point where that becomes lonely or, or we feel isolated. So I think it's really a great book for reflecting on what serves us best in self-care, knowing how we can look after ourselves best and, and how we can show up as our best version of ourselves for our family and friends. I know I'm a better mom and a better wife. If I have a quiet start to the day, if I can practice some meditation, some reading, just for a bit of time, then by the time I come to interact with everyone else, I'm, you know, full of joy to see them and, <laughs> and loving them and wanting to be with them. But if I miss that for a couple of days, I get out of touch with myself and I get irritable and cranky and then I have to take myself off and have a little bit of space and then I'm good to go again. You and I share a very similar way of knowing what it is we need to do in order to be able to show up in the healthiest possible way for our families and friends and for ourselves, frankly. And I think this book does a, a wonderful service to the more sensitive, introverted people in the world. If, you know, she, Susan is saying that one third of the people we know are introverts. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, and then you think about the sensitivity and the anxiety and, you know, what can come along with needing to show up in an extroverted world. I mean, no wonder we have so many issues with supporting ourselves through anxiety and expectations and all of these things. If we prefer listening to speaking or we prefer reading to partying or we prefer innovation versus self-promotion, those kinds of things, and then we're expected to show up in this other way, well, that internal conflict is really something to be reckoned with. Absolutely. And I think that was what prompted me to share this with our listeners, is that it is significant when you're living with stress and anxiety. And she made some very beautiful points about an introverted child may feel great pain, emotional pain, that they hear their parents apologize for their shyness. You know, like it's a, a defect or a problem. Mm. And then as adults, we may feel guilty or, you know, really uncomfortable if we'd rather be being quiet at home than being at a big social event that we're expected to go to and we're expected to find it wonderful. And sometimes we just don't. Sometimes we do. And sometimes we're not in the space where we can handle it. And it's okay. People are different. Not everyone's the same. And again, we've talked about this a lot when we've discussed Ayurveda, India's 
ancient system of self-care and honoring individuality, honoring your nature, knowing your nature and working the best you can with it. And I think this book really touched on so many similar points there about, again, just knowing yourself and knowing what serves you best. And she also covered how so-called introverted people are more sensitive. They may be highly disturbed by violent imagery, by ugly behavior, or people being harsh to each other can be really upsetting. Or you may be profoundly moved by music or a certain turn of phrase, the way people speak. When I read that passage and I was just nodding my whole way through it. Uh And again, I was thinking, this gives us space to review how we're living, how we're looking after ourselves. If we are sensitive and we're disturbed by violence and by ugly behaviours, then we have the opportunity to honour that and move ourselves away from it as much as we can, certainly in forms of the media, television, choices in entertainment, we can choose gentle and uplifting and inspiring. We can choose to read a beautiful book instead of reading a newspaper. There's many ways where we can look at this and say, okay, that does affect me, so I choose to do this differently. Uh-huh. Really powerful book, excellent case studies. I really enjoyed learning more about Dale Carnegie and uh, the stories about the Tony Robbins seminar, you know, because my background is in sales, um, Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, was a book that I read, um, gosh, probably in college. Mm-hmm. And then to find out that he was a very practiced, well-rehearsed introvert, <laughs> yeah. getting, you know, getting the world ready to step out in this extroverted way and how much came of that afterwards, you know, through the Harvard Business School. And anyway, I just found it to be really fascinating as it tied back to the the corporate expectations and and the corporate world and um, as well as how it plays out for students and young ones and different ethnic communities. And it just highly recommend the book and, Mm. and think our listeners will get a lot out of this book. And, you know, certainly we'll put links and more information up at our site. And again, it's Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. Really great stuff. Thanks for listening to Anxiety Slayer. We hope you found this podcast supportive and invite you to visit the Slayer store for our new offering, EFT for Anxiety, your comprehensive touchstone for emotional freedom technique. You can find the Slayer store at anxietyslayer.com.